Good morning. You will remember that last week Steve, our vicar, spoke about the defining nature of the events of that first Easter morning. How the resurrection is at the centre of everything we believe as Christians and how we live in the reality of that fact. <coughs> well, this morning we're continuing that theme. And our reading from Matthew tells the story of the events that first Easter morning, telling it from the perspective of the two Marys who went to look at the tomb. Now, I'm not sure what they expected to find, but it wasn't an angel sitting on a rock. And this encounter ends with them hurrying off to tell the other disciples what, they'd ha what had happened, what they'd heard, what they'd seen. And the Bible tells us how they were feeling, afraid, yet filled with joy. The being afraid bit is not surprising, given what had just happened. But filled with joy at the same time, is that possible? Is it possible both to experience fear and joy? Is it possible to know joy or know contentment or peace in the midst of fear? Could that be, could that really be the message of Easter? Now this has been a rubbish year for lots and lots of people in our town, in our country and across the world. The statistics for the numbers of people who have been affected as a result of the pandemic are shocking. The number of people whose lives have been torn apart is terrible. And alongside that are the usual trials of life that haven't gone away and in many cases have been simply aggravated by the need to isolate or to, to shut businesses and to redirect resources. You see, the fact is that life is hard lots of the time. It often feels like it's wired to be difficult. And for the most part, it takes everything we've got to handle it with grace. And when one bad thing piles on top of the next, it can simply tip the balance so that you wake up in the morning only to discover that you've lost every bright prospect for a better day. That's no way to live. But it's how most of us, if not all of us, will feel sometime in our lives. And it perhaps describes how you or someone close to you has been feeling for the past year during this crisis and is feeling right now today. Just like it said in that verse that we read, this has been our winter of winters. The view each morning has remained the same. In a sense, driving rain, fogging grey, making slippery any strongholds to grasp onto. It's a bit like trying to see through fog. That's what it feels like sometimes when troubles come. One day you see everything clearly, you think you're in control, and then you or someone you love gets ill, or, or you lose your job or your financial security, or your marriage, or some other important relationship falls apart. So that by the next day, you see nothing clearly at all, and you know for sure that you're not in control. Well, how do you go on in those circumstances? when really, really bad news comes. 
How do you live? How do you see through the fog? How do you find joy and hope and peace when you're in the middle of a crisis? Well, the teaching today is not going to offer easy answers. There's no verse in the Bible to explain what makes it all go away. There's no prayer that I can pray that makes it all disappear. But this morning, I'd like to share with you some thoughts about the about finding a, a better way, finding a better day when, despite it all, you can rest in a sense of real joy. Now, that thing that the women had as they hurried away from the empty tomb was joy, despite their continuing anxiety. That fruit of the Spirit we read about in Galatians that's available to every Christ follower. Now, this is not some self-help talk this morning, but I do want to tell you about a joy that is rock-solid and real, unshakable, immovable, and most of all, it's eternal. So, first things first, what do we mean by joy as described in the Bible? This thing, this quality that the Bible talks about so often. There are hundreds and hundreds of references to joy in all sorts of circumstances throughout the Bible, in the Old Testament and the New. The Psalms are full of expressions of joy. We're told often to sing for joy. And in Psalm 16, by way of example, we read this. You will show me the way of life, O Lord, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. And in First Chronicles chapter 16, we read this. Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. Let the fields and their crops burst out with joy. Let the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. And what that passage is telling us is that the, uh, God's creation it is something which ought to fill us with joy. It's not easy to put emotional experiences into words. But this type of joy isn't simply an act of willpower. It's a spontaneous emotional response of the heart. It's not superficial. It's not flimsy. It's deep and it's firm. Now, often in everyday life, we use the word joy interchangeably with words like happiness or delight. And all these emotions are similar and they occupy, as it were, the same space. But the Bible concept of joy is different. Don't get me wrong. Happiness is good. Happiness is often very good. Who doesn't want to be happy? According to worldwide research, people profess that happiness is their most cherished goal. Did you know, for instance, that there is such a thing as the World Happiness Report? I'm not making this up. It's a UN report, a high-level report, published every year. It's based on data from 156 countries across the world. And people 
there were asked to score how happy they felt on a scale of 1 to 10. It's a bit more scientific than that, but essentially that was the question. And believe it or not, the UK scored well. It's a relatively happy country. It's number 15 on the league table of the happiest countries in the world. Who knew? We are way ahead of most other European countries and the United States. And as it turns out, the happiest places on earth are the Scandinavian countries like Finland and Denmark, Norway, which to me is really surprising, given that they spend six months of the year in darkness. But you don't need to be some self-help guru to know that this idea of happiness, some sense of well-being, can be elusive or transient. That life events can rob us very quickly of any sense of cheerfulness. How long has it been? How long since you felt a level of contagious, infectious, unstoppable happiness? How long? Honestly? It can seem such a fragile thing. Here one day, then scattered by the winds of a storm. Advertisers will tell you, gleefully, that we'll all be happy if we use this cosmetic or sleep on this mattress or buy this lottery trick ticket or go to this restaurant. But almost always this promise fails to deliver anything approaching lasting contentment. You see, although happiness and joy are similar, they are not the same. The joy that the Bible speaks about is much, much more profound and satisfying and healing and long-lasting. And it depends not so much on how we feel, but on uh, what we are and what we do. It's a spiritual quality that goes hand in hand with hope and is fundamentally linked to the events of Easter that we've just been celebrating. The message of Easter, from Good Friday to Easter Sunday, is that Jesus was willing to suffer and die so that you and I could have a living, certain hope and consequently, a life that is joyful, so that we can experience genuine joy, a deep-seated inner contentment and satisfaction, because we know, we know for sure, that God will use life's experiences to accomplish his work in and through our lives. It's a byproduct of the Holy Spirit living and abiding in us, and causing us to see the beauty of Christ in the world around us. And it's a fruit that God alone can supply. The letter 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3, as recorded in the message paraphrase, puts it like this. What a God we have, and how fortunate we are to have him, this Father of our Master Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. The day is coming when you will have it all, life healed and hold. I know how great this makes you feel, full of joy, even though you have to put up with every kind of aggravation in the meantime. 
There are lots of people in our church who could tell you about their journey from fear to joy. How they came to a point of recognising that in the midst of fear, there can nonetheless be joy. How an acceptance of the love of Jesus and the realisation that none of us is perfect can result in that settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life, that ultimately everything is going to be all right. The message of Easter is that Jesus comes for us and sends his Spirit to offer that sense of comfort, of deep abiding in his love, to all who recognise Christ, everyone who trusts him just enough just enough to want to follow him. Peter is the disciple who was with Jesus from the beginning. He's usually full of bluster, but at times he's full of fear. He followed Jesus and he watched him die. And the Bible tells us that on that Easter morning, he too went to the tomb and found it empty and saw Jesus alive. And this is how Peter describes it at the end of his life. He tells people, You haven't seen Jesus, but you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him, and you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end results of your faith, the salvation of your souls. If you would like joy enough to overcome the fears that are sometimes overwhelming there are things that you can do choices you can make it's a fruit of the spirit that is given by god but there are things you can do to nurture it but we haven't got time today to explore all those things but i think you'll get the general theme you can of course start by accepting christ into your life and choosing to follow him you can give of your time and resources to help others. You can forgive other people and, as importantly, forgive yourself. You can pray for others and encourage others. And fundamentally, you can accept and love other people, whoever they are and whatever they have done. Do these things and you will begin to nurture this deep sense of abiding in joy. None of this is especially easy. But again, the message of Easter is clear. The message of Jesus Christ is one of hope resulting in joy. Not the kind of joy that ignores your current circumstances. Not the kind of joy that dismisses your current circumstances. But the kind of joy that can come only in the midst of your circumstances. It's a joy that comes with strength. The strength to keep living life despite its challenges and to continually give thanks for the blessings we have, even in the darkest of times. The women at the tomb hurried away to tell people that Jesus was alive. They were still afraid. Who wouldn't be? But they were filled with joy. That, that is what happened on Easter Sunday morning. Thank you.